Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. You know, the guy's sitting there going, okay, 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 I don't get this, but this is weird. He's trying to tell us that no matter what is cursed, no matter what has a curse on it, when he gets in the hand of God, the curse is reversed. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome into the big picture. I am your host, Larry Raglan, and man, I'm excited that you are here, and I hope that you're going to be excited that you're here, too, because I'm going to talk about some deep stuff today, and I like to every once in a while just get in here and just break down scripture and, and maybe reveal some mysteries that maybe you've not seen, and some of the things that I'm just now seeing myself. You know, I've been talking about on this channel and in my church that I pastor that, uh, you know, when Daniel was writing in... Uh, the book of Daniel, he was talking about a lot of things that was happening in the, end, in the end times, in the end days that we're in right now. I truly believe that we're in them right now. And he's talking about things like the Antichrist, tribulation period, all kinds of things. And then all of a sudden, you, you read the scripture where it says, sell up the book, stop writing until the days that knowledge shall increase. And for so many years, I have taught, you know, we'll be a generation where there'll be just so much you know, intelligence and so many advancements in technology and that's going to be speaking to that generation that we're talking about. But I think it's more than that. I think not long ago, God began to show me that it's going to be a day of illumination. It's going to be a day of things in Scripture. Because what really matters in the last day, uh, when you talk about true knowledge, it's not that we are smarter. In fact, we've got smartphones, we become smarter, but we're actually dumber. Whether the smarter our phones get, the dumber we're getting. And that being said, you know, there there is a generation, I believe, that's going to have an illumination of Scripture, that uh, things are going to be hidden in plain sight. That I'm not talking about adding to Scripture, taking away from Scripture. I'm talking about I'm not I'm talking about twisting Scripture. I'm talking about just reading the Word of God and seeing things that were there all along in the text, but for whatever reason, God had blinders on generation after generation after generation because they would not be able to get what we can get now because we look around and we see things happening in our day that no other generation would have ever dreamed would happen in their day. And so I want to talk about that today, uh, another one of those things that are hidden in plain sight. And that's a very famous story uh, of when Jesus comes upon the blind man who's been blind from birth. And John chapter nine tells us in verse one, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him saying, now listen to the very interesting question. And I think a lot of people still ask this question today. Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, what, that he was born blind? Now, because that's what we try to do, right? We try to always put the blame on someone else. It couldn't be that we just actually face a devil that hates us, that we actually face an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, sickness is of the devil, y'all. Y'all hear me? Uh, healing is of Jesus and of God. So they automatically are trying to blame someone for the condition that this man is in. And they want to say, whose sin was it, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Listen to the answer that Jesus says. Jesus says, neither, this is powerful, y'all, neither this man nor his parents sinned, 
but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, the works of God, let me ask you a question. Do you think the works of God is sickness? Do you think the works of God is blindness? No, the works of God is the good news, the gospel. So the good news to a blind man is that you can see. The good news to a poor man is that you don't have to be poor. That's the good news of the gospel. So we see that the works of God are going to be revealed in this guy. So they don't know what's about to happen, but God knows something significant is about to happen. Jesus knows he's about to do a big-time miracle. Now, watch what he says, that the works, and I want to say that word. To some people, that's a curse word, that the works of God should be revealed in him. I know we're not saved by our works. I know that we are saved by grace, and we're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible talks about works. The Bible talks about faith without works is dead. And the Bible tells us that right here, we're going to see something about works where we're being commanded by Jesus to do the works, to do the work. Now, watch what he says. He says, I must work. This is Jesus talking. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day for the night is coming when no man can work. All right. For as long as I'm in this world, I am the light of the world. Now that's powerful because I want you to I want you to put all this together here. All right, so he runs upon this blind man. It's not just by happenstance. God didn't do anything by happenstance. He didn't do anything just uh, by coincidence. God was very intentional. Jesus was very intentional wherever he went. He was very intentional with every word that he said. Very intentional, quite frankly, of the stories that he made sure was in the scriptures that we have because we know there's so many other things that he did that we don't even have in the scriptures that we did that we have in our hand right. Now, but these are the stories that were in, that are in our Bible that God wanted to make sure that we knew about because in every instance, in every part of that story, is teaching us principles. So he, so his response to the question by the religious uh, people and even by his own disciples was, "Who is to blame here? Who? What is going on here? Do we need to deal with the parents? Do we need to interview the parents? We need to find out uh, the lineage. We need to find out the, you know, how he got into this state." Was his dad blind? Was his great-grandfather blind? We're always trying to do that. But Jesus just simply said, listen, now I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. The works of God is about to be revealed in him. So then he, he didn't just stop there. He didn't just say he's going to be healed. He said the works of God is going to be revealed in him. And then he turns right around the next verse and says, and I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, I got to work while it's day for the night comes when no man can work. Let me tell you something. There, there is, we are running out of time, y'all. We are running out of time to do the work of God. It is, the light is still shining, but the light is growing dim, meaning that we're getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. It says something very interesting here. I want to reiterate it. The night is coming when no one can work. And then he said, for as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, we understand that when Jesus was walking this earth for 33 and a half years, for three and a half years, he was in his ministry. And wherever he went, he was God made flesh dwelt among, dwelling among us. And he was doing the works of miracles. He was doing the works of, of God. He was uh, going about, the Bible said he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But then he would take time out to talk to his disciples and tell his disciples, you are the light of the world. He'd say, you are the salt of the earth. You can't turn the, we need to make sure you don't turn that light out. Would a man light and hide a candle up under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So we understand we got to let that little light shine, okay? But then he says, you're the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its flavor, flavor, then uh, how can the, uh, then the earth be uh, seized? 
reasoned. So in other words, he says, I am right now the light of the world. I am right now the salt of the earth. But I want you to understand one of the main purposes of what I'm doing these three and a half years of ministry here is not just to open blinded eyes, not just to raise the dead, not just to uh, set uh, prostitutes free and cause them to be mighty women of God. All these things are great, but I'm trying to teach you the principles because these works shall you do and greater shall you do if I go to my father. So on one hand, he says, I am the light of the world. And on the other hand, he says, you are the light of the world. He's preparing them for the day that he would ascend to heaven and he would go to be with his father, sit down at the right hand of God. And, and then he would send the power of the Holy Ghost and then the church would be created and then we would take his place, not become God, not take his place in the sense that you might think I'm saying. I'm saying that we become the light, we become the salt, we become the force of change. Now, that's what he's trying to say, but he said, but he does something very interesting. Now, watch what he does. He does something that makes this story famous. And preachers have preached this. People have taught this, had Bible studies on it. You probably watch people on YouTube talk about it. But I'm going to show you something maybe you hadn't seen. He says that when he's standing there, he realizes, okay, this is more than just, I could speak to him. I could say, be healed. I could, I could just do that because I've done that before. I could, you know, like he looked at the man, says, take up your bed and walk, all these things. He could have done all that. But he did something different. What did he do? John chapter 9, verse 6 says that when he said these things, all the things that I just said that he said, when he said these things, he spat on the ground. You know, I know I, I know you like, oh, bless God, God, Jesus wouldn't have spit a loogie. He wouldn't have spit a loogie. Well, you know, probably not, but we don't know that. You know, I, I'm look, I'm just going to go there, okay? We, there's things that Jesus had to do. And there was things that Jesus, his body did that we don't want to talk about. Okay. Case in point, you know, you know, how many of you can't eat fish and fish, not parts of that fish that, you know, didn't get absorbed in the body want to come out. So you never think about Jesus. There's no movie of Jesus uh, ever been made. There's, there's no, uh, nothing where we have a record of Jesus saying, oh, okay, 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 okay. I've been teaching for an hour and a half guys. I, I got to go see a man about a dog. You know, I, I got, I got to go take care of something. I'll be right back. Everybody just hold your thought there. Uh, Peter's going to take over while I get to, until I do, until I take care of what I need to take care of. You know, Jesus, Jesus had to do things. Okay. Jesus had to eat. Jesus had to have liquid to drink. And then when you eat and you have liquid to drink, then you know what I'm saying? It's got to come out. So, you know, who knows? But, but Bob, Bob basically says though, that he spat on the ground. Okay. So spat on the ground could just be, it could mean, I mean, he, I mean, he had to get he, he probably more than likely he he did a big a big spit okay, uh, but now that's not what you need to worry about okay that's just the the funny side of the strange side of the story, but I think it's interesting that he could have just looked at him and said, "You can now see. Go tell everybody that you were blind, but now you can see." But instead, he decides to do a miracle a very unusual way, and as I said early in the broadcast, it's very intentional. God does things very intentional, so he spat on the ground. When he did that, watch what happened now. He spat on the ground. Now, if you've got your Bible, and I'll put it up on the screen as well, in John chapter 9, it says, when he spat on the ground, ground, say it with me, ground, that he made clay with his saliva. So he, he grabbed the dirt, he spat in the dirt, and then he mixed the dirt 
till the dirt became clay. Now, what's so powerful is preachers preach and then he rubbed it on their eyes. But that's not what it says. It says that when he spat on the ground and he made the clay that he anointed, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. See, it was not a rubbing of dirt in the eyes or mud in the eyes. It was an anointing. It was the same, that, that is the same word that's used when you have the anointing oil and you anoint somebody on their head with oil. So, but yet it's mud, y'all. And it's not just mud, it's mud made from spit. Get that in your mind now. So he's, he's rubbing this stuff on his eyes, this clay that came from dirt. Remember, he didn't, he, when he grabbed the dirt, it wasn't clay. It wasn't pliable. It wasn't moldable. It wasn't clay. When we think of clay, we understand clay. You know, you see the potter's wheel, it's spinning, and in the, in the, the person do, making the pot, you know, he's the potter, he's just, he's pushing it in. Well, one thing you got to understand, the clay is there, but he has to keep it wet, okay? He has to keep it wet for it to be pliable. It will eventually be put into the fire, but right now it needs to be moist. It needs to be wet. It needs to be where he can take his hands and form it into whatever he wants to form it with. Well, when he grabbed the dirt, the dirt was not there. It was not able to make what he needed to make the substance in his hands, so he hasn't. We have no record saying, "Give me that pot of water. Uh, go over there to that ditch and get me some water." No, he uses his own spit. Okay, and, and you know, and just one little spit, one spit on the dirt is not enough to make clay to rub in two men's two, uh, two eyes of a man. So, so he had probably spit several times. Uh, in his hands, right there in front of all of them. And I want you to think about it. I want you to think about the man that's blind. He's never seen in his life. He's been blind from birth. So he don't know anything about Scripture. He don't know anything about anything in life other than what somebody's told him or what he's hearing. So all he can hear is... He can, just, he can hear the dirt just becoming something. He's like, what in the world's going on here? I mean, my God, I, I thought he was just going to speak to me and tell me that I could see. That's what I heard he does for everybody else. And then he could hear all the other people going, what is he doing? What is he doing? He's, he, he keeps spitting in the dirt. He keeps spitting in the dirt. What is he doing? So this blind man, he can't see Jesus. He's never seen Jesus. All he knows is his voice. All he knows is what he's heard people said about him. And then all of a sudden now he's hearing all these skeptical people going, my God, he's, he's lost his mind. He's crazy. He just keeps spitting in dirt. What is he doing? He's just making mud pies. Come on, y'all remember mud pies when you was a kid? You used to make mud pies. You know, back in the day when people used to go out and play, when kids used to go out and play in the yard? Yeah, that really happened. You know, that that was not back in the 1700s, okay? That was, that was in the 1980s and sometimes even some 90s. Uh, kids don't do that anymore, but I digress. Okay, so he's making this. All, the, all this man can hear is the sound of, of, of clay being just... And the next thing he knows, he goes, okay, okay. I don't know what he's doing right now, but I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for him to say it. And all of a sudden, he feels something hit his eyes. Okay, what is that? Well, the power of God is going through his fingers, but he, it's not even that he feels the power of God to heal him. He just feels, and he's thinking to himself, surely to God, surely to God, this is not what I heard him and what they were saying. He's making. He's rubbing spit mud on my eyes. 
He's rubbing spit. But see, what he didn't get is he didn't get he wasn't rubbing spit mud on his eyes, y'all. He was anointing him. Now, this is what you got to get, y'all, is right after he did that, he did something very significant. He said, get up and go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I want to read it to you. Verse 7 of John chapter 9 says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And then it has in parentheses, which is translated sent, S-E-N-T. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus had demonstrated on multiple occasions that he had every, had all the authority and all the power to just simply say, you can see. But instead of doing that, he did a series of things. And it don't make sense in the natural way he did it. First, he grabs the dirt. Second, he spits in the dirt and keeps spitting in the dirt and keeps grabbing dirt till he's got enough mud, clay, if you will, in his hands to rub across the eyes. Now, keep in mind, it's not that he's trying to keep the man from seeing in the natural. He cannot see in the natural anyway. So why did he rub mud in his eyes? It's been the age-old question that people have taught this and, and preached this. Why did he do that? Well, you can't really understand why he did that without understanding the power of the hands of God, the power of the mouth of God, and the power of dirt and the power of clay, and then the power of Siloam. All of those together are in play here. So what are you talking about, Larry? Let me just tell you what I'm talking about. First of all, it's interesting to me that he decides to demonstrate something with the dirt because it's very, very well known uh, in, in, in the Jewish culture and in, and in Scripture, we still have it in our Bible, that when the Garden of Eden uh, fall happened, the fall of man. And, and, you know, Jesus is, uh, God is there and he's rebuking the devil. He tells the devil he will crawl upon the, his belly for the rest of his existence. And he says some things. He says to the, to the serpent, he says, dust you shall eat. Okay. So in other words, dirt is what you're going to eat. Then he looks at, and of course that's, we just sort of shelve that all the time, but then he looks at the man and many people think that he cursed the man. He didn't curse the man. He cursed the ground. He cursed what the man was doing with his hands. The man was a gardener. Adam was a gardener. It was the first, you know, people talk about all the time, the oldest profession is, you know what, you know, come on, you know what it is, what they say the oldest profession is, but that's not the oldest profession. The oldest profession is a farmer uh, because, you know, the seed time and harvest that was placed in the Garden of Eden, the principle of sowing and reaping, uh, that has to happen through the hands of a farmer is the oldest profession. So he was already doing that. He was already tending the garden. You know, the Bible tells us that, you know, when you think about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they ate of and caused the fall, even that tree, the Bible tells us he was commanded to take care of, but he just couldn't eat of it. So he was already taking care of the garden. And it's very interesting that he put him in a place called the Garden of Eden. So we know that, you know, things that grow in a garden, whether and even things that grow, period, they grow out of dirt. So it was interesting that, you know, we see the trees, we see the herbs, we see the flowers, we see the grass. All of that came out of the dirt. We see that in uh, that the animals were uh, 
formed from the dust of the earth. And then, of course, we see in Genesis 1.26 when God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and give him dominion. Uh, we know that was when he spoke it. But then the only thing that God did not call out of, he called the animals out of the dirt. He called he created the water, and then he called the fish out of the water. You know, it goes on and on and on. But the only thing that he didn't speak and call out just simply from his mouth was man. He made man with his hands, okay? He fashioned man with his own hands. And the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that he did that, catch the word, with clay. He fashioned man with clay, Okay, so in fact, do you understand Adam, the word Adam means dirt. Man means dirt. That's why Job says that dust, we came into this earth and dust, we shall go back out of this earth. That we'll return to dust. So we are dust. So when you look at the, then when you go back and look at what he said to the serpent about how he was going to feed off of the dirt and the dust, meaning he was going to feed off the flesh of man. He's going, to, he's going to infect man with sickness, but he was also going to, in the natural, he's going to try to kill man in the natural all the time. But in the spiritual realm, the flesh, the carnal nature of man, he was going, that was going to be his battlefield as well. So he, we understand that what Jesus meant when he said that about dust. But then we also understand that he fashioned man by his hands from clay. But then, of course, when man fell, he cursed the dirt. So the earth became cursed. So everywhere your feet walks, you are walking on dirt that has been cursed. That doesn't just naturally bring forth tomatoes. It doesn't just naturally bring forth uh, grapes and things that you like to eat. You have to cultivate it. You have to fight the curse. You have to fertilize it. You have to water it. It used to, in the garden before the fall, it had everything it needed based in it. Uh, it didn't even need rain. The Bible said that it had never rained before Noah. A mist came up from the earth to water the plants. So in other words, everything a, a living organism needed was in the dirt. And that's why God, it was very fertile. And, and it basically, it represented the dirt represented the provision of God. Everything that you needed was in the dirt. So God made man out of that dirt because it was uh, it was a kingdom principle. But then when man fell and he knew he was naked, the, the dirt man, if you will, the dirt, the flesh of us was revealed to us. And we are now being led by the dirt part of us. Okay. So when you think about all that, and then you think about that, he does something very unusual. And this is what I was talking about hidden in plain sight. This is the gospel according to Larry. You may believe it. You may not believe it. And that's fine. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what I think. I think it was a big picture thing that, that, that eventually people would get, that they were not really understanding what was happening in that time. But Jesus was always trying to teach the principle that I came here to give you the opportunity to do the same things that I did. So when he took the dirt into his hands, remember the dirt is cursed. He's the one that cursed it. God's the one that cursed the dirt. But when he scooped up, watch this, the cursed dirt in his hand, something very unique happened. Two things came into play. One was the hand of God. Now the cursed dirt was in the hand of God. And then the other was the mouth of Jesus. And when he spat into the dirt, it, it was really, quite frankly, a remembrance to Jesus and a reminder to us 
all the way back to the Garden of Eden, trying to say that I don't care. I'm, I'm the one that cursed this dirt, but I can reverse the curse. Because anything, listen to me, get this principle in you right here. I'm going to put it in bold letters on this screen right now so, so you'll, it'll just slap you in, in top of the head there. That anything that is cursed becomes anointed in the hands of God. When, when, when it was cursed before it touched the hand of God, but when it got in the hand of God, the curse could not sustain itself because it was in the hands of Jesus. And then to put on, put everything on top of it, Jesus spits in it. So whatever came out of his mouth, the power of life and death is in the tongue. But more than that with Jesus, remember it was in Genesis 126 before he ever fashioned man with his hands, he said with his mouth, let us make man in our image. So he spoke it out of his mouth. So I'm going to ask you a question. How did he make the clay in the Garden of Eden? Well, we don't know. Jesus could have just made clay that was already moist, that was already wet, that was already pliable. But because of the fact that he was operating within the dominion and within the structure that he had made here on this earth, he knew that, uh, I believe that he knew, this is Gospel according to Larry once again, that could it be, could it be, could it be, just, just for the potential here, could it be that when the Bible says when he made man, man was not a living soul, that he had to breathe into man. He had to breathe life into to man. So even though he had fashioned him, his mouth was still in play all along. His mouth was in play when he said, let us make man. His mouth was in play when he breathed life into man. Well, if that be the case, could his mouth have been involved when he made the clay? Could he have scooped down and took the clay that I mean, scooped down and took the dirt of the Garden of Eden and took his mouth and spat in it and molded it and spat in it and molded it and spat in it and molded it and made man uh, so that every aspect of the spirit, the soul, and the body ha- came forth from the mouth of God that was created from the mouth of God. Ooh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Right. I know I'm getting deep on y'all. Some of y'all done checked out on me. Some, But the one remnant is still here, y'all. The, those that are hungry for the word are still here. So, so so I'm telling you right now, he reversed the curse right there. This blind man, we don't even know who he is, but his story reminded us of why Jesus came. Remember, the Bible tells us that Jesus is known as the final Adam. There was the one Adam that messed up, but then the final Adam fixed it all. So we, we just see it over and over again. Uh, references. You know, some of them are a little bit veil references. Some of them are very open references when you really take time to study it, reminding us of our authority, reminding us of that garden experience with Jesus. So, so knowing that, he picks up the cursed dirt. He speaks, he, he looks at the cursed dirt, spits in the cursed dirt, makes the cursed dirt into anointed clay. Remember, he didn't rub dirt or rub mud. He anointed him. So how are you going to anoint somebody's eyes with something that's cursed unless the curse has been reversed? And I'm telling you, when the cursed dirt got into the hands of Jesus and when the, when the cursed dirt was hit with what came out of the mouth of Jesus, Everything that was in his hand, it became just as anointed as as extra virgin olive oil that you can pull out in a church service and anoint the elders with. It was just as anointed. Why? Because what makes it anointed anyway? It's the power of God. It's not the oil. The oil itself is not anointed. It's when you anoint somebody and it represents the power of the Holy Spirit. What well, represents Jesus? It represents the stripes that He took on His back. Well, He didn't need nobody to represent Him because He was the OG baby. He was there. He was the real deal. So when he does that, then he does something else that's very, very 
unbelievable, quite frankly. It was enough for him to rub the, 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 the anointed clay that he had just reversed the curse of in his hand. And then he says something, and, you know, the guy's sitting there going, okay, 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 I don't get this, but this is weird. Okay, but Lord, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, but I'm still believing I'm going to see. So he's waiting on him to tell him, now, now rub that mud out of your eyes and look at me. No, he says, I want you to get somebody to help you because you can't see, and I want you to find your way down to a very specific pool called the Pool of Siloam. Very important. See, when God's word interprets itself, and it, you don't have to even look at the Strong's Concordance to find out what it means, that's pretty intentional. And, and it says here, go and wash in the Pool of Siloam, and then it interprets itself, which means sent. So watch this. Now, you may be listening to this instead of watching this, so I'm going to spell it out for you so that you won't, because you won't see the graphics that I'm showing right now. But here's the reality. He sent him to sent. Okay, did you get that? He S-E-N-T him to S-E-N-T. He sent him to a place called sent. Now, that's very important because here's the thing. The, the a word apostle is a word apostolos, which means to be sent. I'm telling you right now, a kingdom principle is this, that Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. He took stripes on his back for our healing. He came back from the dead so that we could operate in resurrection power. And then he promised us that if you'll wait and receive the promise of the Father, you shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So here's the reality. The whole plan of Jesus was to come, live a sinless life, become the Lamb of God, take away the sins of the world by what he did on that cross to give us access to the kingdom of God. Not just so that we would be born again, but everything he did, he was trying to teach us. I'm doing these things not as God who happens to be a man, but man who happens to be God. So that everything you see me doing, you can do. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You, you that don't believe the gifts of the Spirit are real, the cessationists and all these that think they have the scriptures to support it, you may have scriptures that sound like you support it. But I also have scriptures that, that sound like I, what I support, and that is that the gifts of the Spirit are still operating, that God wants me to take this hand and lay it upon the sick. That is absolutely uh, scriptural, quite frankly, and my my doctrine that I believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But you know, how about this? If we're going to err on the side of uh, uh, of one, at one side, if, if we're going to be wrong, uh, do you think God has a problem with us praying and believing that he's able to actually heal somebody? I'd probably, I'd want to err, and I don't call it an error because it's not an error. It's absolute truth and biblical truth uh, on the side that Jesus desires uh, to give us that abundant life. Remember, still, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life and have it more abundantly. Well, guess what? If, I, if I'm sick, life becomes more abundant if I'm no longer sick. If I'm poor, life becomes more abundant if I'm no longer poor. If I'm depressed, life becomes a whole lot more dependent or, or uh, dependent or, or uh, dependent or, or uh, fun and, uh, and abundant if I'm free. Okay, if I'm free from that tormenting spirit. So Jesus illustrates something to us that if you want to reverse the curse, if you want to deal with sickness, if you want to deal with the reverse of depression, the reverse of breaking of generational curses, you're going to need to get in the hand of God. You're also going to need to have a word on it. Something's going to have to come out of the word of God. But you know what? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, how can they believe in what they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? So the system of God is this. He came down to give us the example. He came down. He did some unusual 
unusual things like this. But in those unusual things, you don't need to get caught up on the unusual aspect of it and try to figure out why he did that. And when you start figuring that, trying to figure out why, and I believe that's the you know, hidden in plain sight. I believe that's that generation is going to understand things. You begin to realize, oh, my goodness. He's trying to tell us that no matter what is cursed, no matter what has a curse on it, when it gets in the hand of God, the curse is reversed. And if you want to take it to the next level, you need something come out of the mouth of God, which is the word of God. So he spits into it, which which is out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So that spit was living water, y'all. I'm telling you, when you, when you open your mouth and you begin to speak, it's it's not a it's not actual water that comes out, but that saliva. Uh, maybe that saliva in our mouth is just a little bit of a reminder stays in our mouth all the time to remind us that there is spiritual liquid that needs to come out of us, that there's a river that needs to come out of us, and it doesn't come out of any other part of our, of our body. It comes out of our mouth. So he spits into that dirt, and the dirt becomes clay, and then he rubs it on his eyes. And his and, and you know, gospel according to Larry here, it could have been that, you know, he's just, he's just remembering because, you know, he's all knowing he's going back at that moment of when he made man to begin with, you know, think about this man was already naked, but he wasn't ashamed because he was seeing through spiritual eyes and not through natural eyes. And he, and he, he never looked down at his body in shame until he went from a tr truly in the presence of God awake and going to a state of quite frankly, woke is what we say today. We, we say we're woke, we're Woke, we're woke, but what we really are is we're, we're, we've blinded ourselves to being able to see in the spirit realm, okay? So here's the reality. He reversed the curse in his hand. He spits, he gets a word on it, and then he sends him to the scent, which is the apostolic. You're going to need to position yourself in a place where God has sent someone to speak and preach the word of God in your life. The enemy's trying to pull people away from the gathering. I believe this whole story is trying to tell us, because watch this, he got his healing when he went to the place of the scent. And he went down that water, he washed, and he came back seeing. The reality is this. It goes on to say, it says that when, and I'm almost through with this teaching, it says that when the neighbors, watch this, this is what happens. When the neighbors of, of those who previously had seen him blind said, is this not the one who always sat and begged? They were labeled, since he had been blind from birth, they were thinking he would be blind till death. And now it's, he's not blind anymore. And the Bible says, some said, yeah, this is he. Others said, well, he looks like him. This is John chapter 9. And he's heard them talking. He spoke of him. He said, I am he. Now watch what happened. Instead of them rejoicing, this is the this is the spirit of the cessationists. This is the spirit of of those that don't want to believe in the power of God and miracles. It's been around. There's nothing new under the sun. This is this is the same spirit that you get from people who don't believe in miracles. It says uh, he says I am He. In verse ten, they said, "Well, they said, well, how were your eyes open?" And he answered, "A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash.' So I went and I washed and received sight.' And they said to him, "Where is he?" And he said, "I don't know." Now, what's what those neighbors did? In verse thirteen, those neighbors brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees, and now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay. That's all they cared about. They didn't care about the fact that this man had never seen in his life, and 
and now he could see with perfect vision. All they cared about was that Jesus did this on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked him how he'd received his sight. And he said, he put clay on my eyes and I watched and I see. Therefore, some of the sayers, uh, Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And therefore, there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man, what do you say of him, of, of those who opened the eyes? Is he a prophet? Is he a prophet? Is he so, so he says he is? He said this. Mm-mm-mm. He said, I'll tell you this. I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but this one thing I do know. Verse 25. I once was blind, <laughs> but now I see. Y'all. I'm telling you, that's the anointing on the remnant. That's the anointing that's happening all over the world right now. There are people that don't know anything about God. They've been blind from birth. They were not raised in church. They, they don't know how to do church. They don't know how to do the, the churchy thing. But I'm telling you, they're, they're about to have an encounter with Jesus. And some of them are devil worshipers. Some of them are Satan worshipers. Some got pentagrams tattooed on their body. They ain't even going to have enough. They're going from, a, from sitting in a pentagram full of candles worshiping the devil to being used by God to pray for people and being up on a platform with a microphone in their hand testifying. You say, well, that's sacrilegious. Well, you know what? Some of them ain't even going to have enough money to cover up the tattoo fast enough, but God is going to heal them. God is going to take the curse and put it in his hand and reverse the curse, and he's going to spit on it. I'm telling you right now, I'm not telling you to go around spitting on people right now. There's something about a man or a woman of God who knows who they are in God that can speak to something that's been cursed, that can pick up something that's not afraid to get around something that's got a generational curse on it and speak to alcoholism, speak to homosexuality, speak to sexual perversion, speak to molestation, speak to those generational things and break those things. And it only happens when it gets in the hand of God, not the hand of man, but the hand of God. And it only happens when a, when you got a word on it. But I'm going to tell you something. He had it. Got in the hand of God. He had a word on it, but he sent them to the place called sin. He sent them to the preacher. And he, and that's why he says in Mark chapter 16, you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. If this body is dirt, and if you've stayed this long, and, I, and I'm sorry for those that checked out on me, but for those that stayed this long, you're going to get something. The Bible says this is dirt, all right? If you're listening on podcasts, I'm, I'm touching my face right now. I'm touching my skin. The Bible says this is dirt. When the Bible tells you in Mark chapter 16, you shall lay hands upon the sick, they shall recover. In my name, you shall cast out devils. That, in other words, he says right there in, in, that, in that commission that he says right before he left this earth, before he's going to send the Holy Spirit, he told us, you're going to take your hands and you're going to put it on the dirt. And then you're going to open up your mouth and you're going to speak to that devil. And I'm going to move through your hands and I'm going to move through your mouth. And the sick shall recover and the demons shall come out and the blind shall See, ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell you right now that you are remnant. If you are a child of God, you are remnant. If you're not a child of God, then why don't you pray this prayer right now? Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and save me because I want to lay hands on the sick. I want to call out devils. I'm tired of the devil messing with my family. I'm tired of my family dealing with sickness left and right, sickness left and right. I want to be able to have the authority to reach down there and grab that dirt, grab that devil up by the neck and tell him who's in charge and who 
who really has the authority and power. If you don't believe that, look, if you want to live your sad, defeated life that you believe that when John the apostle died, that all the power of God died off with him, then go ahead and live your miserable life and go ahead and try to make as many people miserable as you can. But you know what's happening right now? People are getting sick and tired of being told to, to trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, but there ain't nothing good can come out of it. Let me tell you something. I thank God that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice in that. But he also told him, listen, you're going to lay hands upon the sick and they're going to recover. Demons are going to be cast out. All right? So it's all a package deal, baby. We don't just rejoice that, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's number one. Number one. Nothing can come close to that because nothing's possible without that. But remember what he said? They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, pray this Pray this way. Every time you pray, whether you say these words or if you or if you use this as a prayer outline, pray this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think you need healing when you get to heaven? You think you need uh, your mind to be set free when you get to heaven? You think you need a miracle when you get to heaven? No, everybody's got that when they get there. God said, I'm going to send you a power that you can experience heaven on earth. And you will put your hands on the dirt and you will speak to the dirt and reverse the curse because of Jesus. Amen. That's what we're talking about doing the dirty work, y'all. It's time to do the dirty work. Uh-huh. Say it right now. Say it with your mouth. I'm going to do the dirty work. That means I'm going to work while it's day. For the night comes when no man can work. Praise God. Thank you for joining this broadcast. Get encouraged. Rise up. Come on. Get excited about who you are in God. If you gave your life to Christ, comment and let me know. If you were backslidden and you came back to God, comment and let me know. If you're sick in your body and you got healed, comment and let me know. Or if you're just a believer that's been in a dead, dry place and you feel like God just spit on some on you and rubbed an anointing on you and he just sent you to the scent and you feel like, my God, I'm called to preach. I'm called to teach. Uh, at the very least, I'm called to the Great Commission. Whatever it is, give us a give us a comment. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. That helps us tremendously. Thank you for joining the Big Picture Podcast. We'll be back next time tearing some devils up, y'all. This one's a little bit longer than, than normal, but I'm fired up, y'all. I'm fired up. I'm tired of the devil messing with God's people, and we're coming after you, devil. I'm serving you right now. I'm serving your papers. I'm serving your word. I'm coming after you. Jesus is about to spit on you. Come on, in Jesus' name. I'll see you next time on The Big Picture. God bless you. Remember, we are not woke, but we are certainly awake. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.